past uh, year and a bit, we have been working our way through uh, John's Gospel, which is the one of the Greco-Roman biographies written of Jesus uh, by his best friend here on earth. And we are here in John chapter 10 uh, this, this morning. And uh, this beautiful passage of, uh, of Scripture, this is Jesus talking. John chapter 10, verse 1, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is God's word to us this morning. It's important for us to understand in this passage that Jesus is speaking to a people who uh, know well the 23rd Psalm. Right? Psalm 23. It's probably the most famous, most uh, well-known chapter in the entire Bible. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Right? It's a a passage that if you've never even darkened the door of a church, uh, you've probably come across this passage, whether it be at funerals or memorial services, or, but it keeps working its way into pop culture as well. Thinking, of course, of Coolio's famous Gangsta's Paradise. Right? Any Coolio fans in the room? Allison Chains, right? No? I just like dead faces here. All right. You've, you've seen this on coffee mugs, or uh, this is a, the famous passage, the Lord is my shepherd, and it's this passage that even kids, right, you can understand, that you understand this idea as God, as our leader, as our guide, as our protector and provider, that, God, that the Lord is our shepherd. And, and it, it touches us deeply, right, this, this metaphor, this picture of God as our shepherd, the Lord as our shepherd, touches us deeply, and, and, we, and we often think of you know, it gives us the warm fuzzies. It gives us, you know, pictures of cuddly little innocent sheep and, and, a, and a shepherd who is caring for them. This passage, though, Jesus is really, um, he's, he's giving us a contrast, right? Between, he's warning us about thieves and robbers, but he's also then assuring us of a good shepherd. And there's this both, you see in this passage, this both sides, this warning about thieves and this assurance of shepherds. And so that, as we just spent a few moments this morning talking about this passage and looking, digging in and hearing what God would have for us this morning, what would, he, what would he affirm in us? What would he challenge us? What would he want to say to us today? We want to, we want to see, first of all, a warning about thieves, and we want to see an assurance, a comfort of a really good shepherd this morning. And just to give you a heads up, too, that... Um, uh, one of Cornerstone's traditions is kind of right around New Year's is to spend some time sharing with each other. Well, how's God been active? How's God been showing himself to be real to you? And so a little bit later on in the sermon, I'm going to stop and um, give you an opportunity. If, if God's been at work in you, if, if he's been, if you want to, you know, share with the, the family um, how God's been making himself real and showing himself good and faithful or how he's been challenging you or... Um, 
feel free, you'll have an opportunity to share. And so you can kind of daydream and think about that while I talk for a bit. And, uh, and we'll come back to that. So first of all, though, a warning about thieves. A warning about thieves. I tell you the truth, the man who doesn't enter by the sheep pen, that's verse 1, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a robber. Verse 8, all who ever came before me were thieves and robbers. Verse 10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. He's talking about here, and and we'll see this in the context, he's talking about um, selfish religious leaders who use God talk to take advantage of people, to mistreat people. And the reason that they do this is is that they don't know God. That they've entered in by another way. They haven't entered in through the door, which is Jesus. They, They don't know God. They're not in relationship with God. And the context of this passage is, is uh, it's John 10, so it comes right after John chapter 9. That's math. And in John chapter 9, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago here, uh, Jeff did, and it's this uh, incredible story of Jesus healing a man who's been born blind, who's been blind since the day of his birth. Jesus comes along and, and heals him and restores his sight. And the religious leaders, though, are very upset because um, they've kind of caught Jesus on a technicality. That he, They're very upset that Jesus has performed this miracle, done this healing on the Sabbath day. And their um, rules about the Sabbath, their religious rules that they have kind of created, um, is that you're supposed to not do anything at all on the Sabbath day. And Jesus has healed them, a man, And so um, they're upset because they see that Jesus is a threat to their religious system. And so these religious leaders are criticizing Jesus. Because they are a threat to how they feel good about themselves. They're a threat to how they form their identity as religious leaders, as Pharisees or as Sadducees, as, as those who are seen in the community, in the nation, as the holy people as the people who have it together, as the people um, who have power and influence, who have money and wealth through their religious system. And so Jesus, by healing someone on this Sabbath day, is a threat to their identity. They're, he's a threat to how they um, make a living. They're a, he's a threat to um, how they have, have power. And so this passage tells us to beware of influencers who use people and people who especially who use God for selfish gain for their own gain you see there's only two kinds of relationships in this world there's life enriching and life depleting relationships and friends God is not life depleting God is not life depleting he is the greatest giver that there is John chapter 1 tells us from his fullness God is not hungry he's not empty from his fullness We have received grace after grace, grace upon grace upon grace, like wave after wave after wave of goodness and gift and grace from God. You see, what pleases God is that there is within God, there's this volcanic exuberance in God's mighty heart to to just shower and to explode with grace and mercy for unworthy people. And as God gives gifts and he, he, he showers grace upon people, it doesn't diminish him in any way. It only further energizes him. His fullness is an overflowing fullness and he loves to give. And the reality is, is that some of us struggle with being open with God Some of us struggle with relating to God because we've been mistreated by religious people in the name of God. We've suffered terribly. And it can be very confusing. It can be very hard to sort out who to trust and what's real and how does this relationship with God really work because of the way in which we've been mistreated and harmed and even abused by religious leaders. Now, religion's a bully, but it's not the only bully in this world. I think secularism, this trying to live life apart from God, can be a, a bully and eat you alive as well. The sad truth, I think, is that we're all power-hungry. We're all manipulative. We're all controlling and demanding. We all tend to be life-depleting for other people. 
See, there's a reason that these religious leaders, these Pharisees, keep showing up in the Gospels. You know, when, when, we, when we read, these, when we read um, stories in the Bible, right, we, we often, um, by, just naturally, try, try to place ourselves, right, in the story. And we're like, okay, in this story, who am I and, and, uh, and where do I fit in this story? And if you're at all like me, the natural tendency that I have is I read this story and, and I read Jesus interacting with these Pharisees and I see these Pharisees as these bad guys. And, and so what actually I end up doing is I put myself in Jesus's place, that I'm on Jesus' side. And so if I'm in this story, I'm, I'm kind of with Jesus, not those bad guys over there. But I think the reason these Pharisees, these religious leaders keep showing up in the Gospels actually is that we're meant to see ourselves in them. That actually we're not Jesus yet. We're not totally like him yet. That Jesus has come for us and he, and he would actually challenge the religious little hearts that we have. That want to put, especially those hearts that want to put rules upon rules upon rules about following God so that it gives us power and it gives us control. We're to beware of the Pharisee in our own heart. We need to see ourselves reflected there. And the truth is, is that the only way that people like us who are depleted and who are depleting others can be humane again is to face the question that Jesus asked the blind man in chapter 9. He says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in the Son of Man? This picture from Daniel the Son of Man is this title that, that Jesus loves to take on himself. It's the title he gives himself most often in the Gospels. The Son of Man. It's a, it's a picture from, John, or from Daniel chapter 9, where Daniel kind of have the, has this picture of, of what's happening in this world and the, the, the fight between the, uh, God and the forces of evil. And, and he, he sees these pictures of the forces of evil uh, you know, waging war in this world, and there were these wild beasts and then Daniel sees hope. He, said, he says he sees one like the Son of Man come down. One who is human, but who is also the Ancient of Days, who is also God, has come down and he's come to, to fight, to resist, and to ultimately you know, squash the forces of evil in this world. And so the only way in which we can actually become um, move away from being depleters, life depleters for others, and be actually become life enrichers, is for us to believe in the Son of Man, the one who's come to actually squash evil. But Jesus not only gives us this warning of, of thieves and robbers, those who have come to steal and kill and destroy, who have come, who are, who have come to as predators on other people, who want to who draw out from other people and they see other people and, they, and, and w- they see what they can get for themselves out of others, right? That's a life depleter. He gives us not only the warning of, the, of those kinds of people and, 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 and the warning not to be one of those kinds of people. He also gives us this beautiful picture, this beautiful assurance of a good shepherd, that he's the good shepherd, that Jesus comes on the scene and to these Jewish people who, who believe wholeheartedly that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That, that I relate to God, that we're called to relate to God like a sheep relates to a shepherd. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, yes, that great shepherd, that's me. I am the shepherd. I'm the great shepherd. I'm the good shepherd of the sheep. And you relate to God as a shepherd through me. That I am actually your shepherd. That I'm your shepherd. Now, it's important for us to understand, like, sometimes we, get, we have this really nostalgic, cute picture, right, of, of, oh, you know, fuzzy little lambs and warm and soft and cuddly and, you know, we're kind of God's pet. Um, being called a sheep, right, if God's our shepherd, that means we're, we're the sheep. That's not necessarily a very flattering thing. You know, a shepherd does everything for the sheep. A shepherd lives with his sheep. He sleeps with his sheep. He's their protector, their provider, their doctor, their leader, their guide, their owner. A shepherd does everything for a sheep. There's no wild sheep. Have you ever thought about that? There's wild everything, right? Wild horses, wild lions, wild tigers and bears. There's no wild sheep. A wild sheep is a dead sheep. 
right? No team has their mascot as the sheep, right? We got the lions and the bears and the tigers and the giants, and we got all of that, and we, but we have no sheep, right? No, a sheep is not, uh, is not uh, vicious, is not intimidating whatsoever, right? Sheep are foolish. They, like, they have no sense of direction. You, you put a sheep in a field, and it'll wander off and get lost. It, it'll, eat poisonous, uh, it'll eat poisonous plants, that aren't good for it. It'll, it likes to drink brackish or um, um, stale water that, that's going to make them sick. Like, sheeps are, sheep are foolish. They keep making mistakes. They'll get lost. I saw on the internet a little while ago someone like, showing this little video. It says, sometimes Jesus has to shepherd me like this. And it's this guy reaching into a hole. And he's like, his arms are in this hole all the way up. You can't see his arms. And then he's pulling and pulling and out comes a sheep, right? Like sheep climb into wolves' dens. Like sheep are dumb. Sheep are helpless. Sheep rely wholeheartedly, completely. Without the shepherd, a sheep is done for, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I am foolish and helpless and weak in this world. And I, I, I constantly want to leave my shepherd and just kind of wander off because I'm not paying attention. And so for Jesus to be our shepherd means that he has access to every part of our lives. That he's in total control of all of our lives. That there's no, like we can't segment off parts of our lives and say, well, Jesus, I, I kind of need some help here. I got the sickness, and I need you to deal with that. Uh, I've got some financial trouble right now, and so I need you to deal with that. But don't talk to me about my thought life, or don't talk to me about my social life. Don't talk to me about my romantic life. Or, and that's, that's fine right now. I don't need your input there. I just need your help here in this little input. No, for Jesus to be our shepherd means that he has access to every part of our lives. All the time. He lives with us. He's our owner, shepherd, protector, guide, leader, everything to us. He's everything to us. He has access to all of our lives. And he's not just our shepherd when we feel we need some help. When we feel a little bit lost and we're like, okay, I don't know what decision to make. And so I want to make sure that this thing turns out for the good. And so now I'll ask for wisdom. Now I'll ask for your help. Now I'll ask you to tell me what to do because I don't want this to mess up. Right? It's so easy, though. We're like sheep, right? We so easily exclude him from parts of our lives. We so easily kind of just, just rely on him when we need some help, when we're feeling down or when we're sick or when we have financial hardship. It's so easy for us to segment out our social life or our business or our professional life or recreational life, our thought life, our family life, our financial life, our, our romantic life. We can't exclude him from any part of our lives. And so who you are on Monday morning should be the same person you are on Sunday morning. And Wednesday afternoon and Friday night and Saturday night and New Year's Eve. Right? It means we depend on him. It means we follow him. Every day. Some of us own businesses. Right? How easy is it to... To, to say, well, this isn't personal. This is business. Right? That's a, that's a separating out. It's like, no, you're a follower of Jesus in your business too. Some of us have really active social lives. Not me. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't have one if I didn't have a wife. Um, but our social life, we like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang out with, I'm going to do what I want. Friday night, I'll do whatever I want. Jesus, you can talk to me Sunday morning. We'll deal with that. We'll deal with that Sunday morning, right? Like being a sheep and Jesus as our shepherd means that every part of our lives is under his lordship. And we're constantly, we're, we're understanding that, yeah, we wander away. We're constantly wandering away. And he's the good shepherd, the gracious shepherd that brings us back. But, but seeking to live as God is our shepherd, our good shepherd means that 24-7, 365, every area of our life is coming under his control and his leadership and his protection, his provision, his guidance. It means we depend on him moment by moment. 
This is a discipline that will change your life. I, I believe wholeheartedly. Learning to depend on him. Not, not just month by month or year by year. And on New Year's, New Year's Day saying, God, would you be with me this year? It's, it's not even month by month or week by week. or It's moment by moment. Depending on him. I was thinking um, last night and during one of the conversations we were having with some friends, and, and it, this resonated kind of with me. I was thinking about the first time I went and visited the city of Hong Kong. I used to go there for work uh, fairly regularly. But Hong Kong is this crazy city. Like, it's busy and big and, like, complicated and foreign and... Um, and so I remember the first time I went, and I was on my own, and, and uh, first time there, and I had all these appointments that I had to get to, and, um, you know, using the, the subway and, and trying to get around this massive city that is completely foreign to me. So what I did is um, I asked for directions, like of the concierge at the hotel, and I'm on Google Maps, like plotting out, I'm like, and writing out, okay, I, I go right, walk to this street and turn left, and then... This, you know, exactly like step-by-step directions. I'm figuring out my day. Like, and I had a binder. I carried a binder around with me. Like, and it was like multiple pages for every day of like, okay, I need to do these steps in this way. You know what? I never got lost. I never got lost because I kept on asking for directions. And I kept on paying attention to where I was and what I needed to do. If you drive with me around Niagara... I'm like constantly on autopilot and I'm constantly driving the wrong place. I'm like, I kind of know where that is, right? And, and I feel confident in, in kind of where I'm going. Or I'll be, I'm supposed to take my kids to the arena and I drive and I show up in this parking lot, right? Like, because I'm just on autopilot. I'm not really paying attention. And so I, when I actually felt disoriented in Hong Kong the first time, I was actually way more oriented than when I feel really oriented and I feel comfortable and I know where I'm going here. I'm getting lost all the time, right? When we feel oriented is when we're most prone to being lost. But when we feel disoriented and we're, we humble ourselves and ask for directions moment by moment and pay attention, that's when we're actually most oriented. I don't know if that resonates at all with you. When I felt, when you feel most lost is when you're most found. The Bible says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Moment by moment, living as a sheep, talking to him regularly. For example, to get really practical, I wonder what it would look like if you and I, um, every morning we woke up and, and we wrote down five or six temptations that we think we're going to come up against this today. What, what five or six temptations am I going to come up against today? When, when, I'm, when am I going to be tempted to get grumpy or disappointed? When am I going to be tempted to, to, um, to think that, to become really aggravated or to think I'm really great, tempted to think I'm spectacular and special and amazing and successful? Or when am I going to be tempted to, um, to feel like a failure? And to then be prepared for that. And as those events and as those temptations come to cry out to your shepherd throughout the day, especially as you come up against these temptations. Maybe, you know, maybe um, someone speaks an affirming word to you. And you're, you'll be tempted to think, man, I am pretty good. I am pretty smart. I'm pretty talented. I've, I've pretty much got it together. God's pretty lucky that I, I'm on his team. Right? But to, to not allow yourself to go into that temptation, but to say, I know, Father, I know you're my shepherd. I'm just your sheep. I am so prone to wander. I'm so helpless apart from me, apart from you and the gifts you've given me. Thank you. Maybe you're tempted to feel like a failure. Maybe kids at school, you're, you're kind of tempted to feel really dumb and like, oh man, I don't have it together. You could say, Father, I'm loved by you. You're my shepherd. You love me and care for me just as I am. Kids, maybe at school you're tempted to, to pick on someone else, right? Adults do this too. We try to make ourselves feel big by making other people feel small. Maybe, maybe you're getting picked on. Maybe others are picking on you. And, and you can, in those moments, moment by moment, cry out to your shepherd, talk to your shepherd. And say, what is your love for me? What is your care for me? What is your protection of me? What is your leadership of me? How does that guide me in these moments? 
How does that guide me in these moments? You see, Jesus says that his sheep will hear his voice. Do you hear that repeated throughout this passage? Verse 3. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them. Verse 4. He goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Verse uh, 10, I think, has that too. No. Um, Verse 14. I know my sheep. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. He says it again in verse 27, I think it was. We'll talk about that next week, where it talks about, again, the sheep hear my voice. Sheep hear my voice. Jesus says his sheep will respond to him. He says in verse 10, he says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Abundant life. I, may, I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. It actually literally says surplus. That they would have surplus life. More than they need. There's nothing small or stingy about Jesus. He loves to give himself away. And he wants you to know that you belong to him. Some of us need to hear that this morning. He wants you to know for certain for sure, that you belong to him. He wants you to know that. He says, I am the door. This is the way in. I am the door. You don't need a secret handshake. You don't need insider information. I let anyone in who will come to God through me. It doesn't say, I'm also thankful it doesn't say his good sheep hear his voice. Right? It doesn't say his good sheep hear my, my good sheep hear my voice. It says my, my silly, dumb, wayward sheep hear my voice. Prone to wander sheep hear my voice. It doesn't say the good sheep hear his voice. There's a good shepherd, right? There's the, the goodness is in the shepherd, not in the sheep. Where was I? <laughs> he wants, he wants, I, I just, I think what we need to dwell on this morning is that he, he wants, you know, is, is this question of how do we, how can I, how can you personally and confidently know that we really do belong to Jesus? How can we know his voice and hear his voice? That he knows you by name and he calls to you and leads you out by name. That, we're, you know, we're not perfect, right? But he says his sheep hear his voice. That, and so he is able through his spirit to speak to your heart today. Not necessarily in an out loud audible voice, but to your innermost person. To communicate to you his love for you. To communicate his favor to you, his presence with you. That, that he can speak to you an awareness, a, a certainty even of his love and care and provision and protection for you, his favor over you. A, a, an awareness that's actually deeper than the questions and the doubts that we, that we all wrestle with. That we, yes, we have, we have doubts and we have questions, but deeper than that, we hear his voice. We know his voice. He is able to speak to your heart today. That he is able to cultivate even within you a sensitivity to to know that, yes, I belong to Jesus. And I am now among others who also belong to him too. And that this is real. That this is genuine. His love for me is authentic and eternal and it is glorious. It's even more real than the scientific method. Where, you know, we, we look out and use our senses, our five senses to collect data. And we make hypotheses and, all right, this scientific method, the inductive method. That actually deeper than that, that more certain than that, that we can know. We can know his love. Romans chapter 8 says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit loves to speak to your spirit and assure you 
that you are a child of God. That I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will provide for you. I've died for you. I love you. You're mine. Did you know that your soul has senses? Just like your body has senses, like hearing and seeing and touching and tasting. Your, your soul has, has senses too. Psalm 42, my soul thirsts for God. That David is saying his soul feels thirst like my mouth wants water, so my soul wants God. Psalm 119, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. That there is a more satisfying pleasure. That your words to me are sweet. First Peter 2, like newborn infants, desire the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Ephesians 1, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened to know the hope to which you've been called. That your heart is able to see. For 2 Corinthians 3, we all, with unveiled faces, beholding, seeing the glory of God, the Lord, are being transformed. Jesus says, John 7, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And here, John 10, my sheep hear my voice. Your soul has senses. And God loves to communicate you. God created you to experience him with gracious and vivid and personal impressions of his glory. St. Augustine has this beautiful quote in his book, The Confessions. Now, Augustine, before he became a follower uh, of Jesus, before he, he, was, he was adventurous and impulsive, if you know anything of his, his life. But he says this, he says, I love you, Lord, with no doubtful mind, but with absolute certainty. You pierced my heart with your word, and I fell in love with you. But the sky and the earth too, and everything in them, all these things around me are telling me that I should love you. And he goes on and he says, but what am I loving when I love you? He's, he's trying to, he's, he's becoming self-aware. He's like, what am I loving when I love you? Not beauty of body, not melodious song and all its lovely harmonies, not the sweet fragrance of flowers or spices, not the limbs like the arms that draw me to embrace. None of these do I love when I love my God. He says, and yet I do love a kind of light, a kind of voice, a certain fragrance, a food and an embrace when I love my God. A light, a voice, a fragrance, food and embrace for my innermost self. This is what I love when I love my God. Jesus says, my word can be sweet like honey. Your eyes of the eyes of your heart can be opened and lightened to know the hope to which you've been called. My sheep will hear my voice, and my voice will say to them, I am for you. I'm not against you. I've made you alive to me. It's okay. It's okay that you've wandered away again. It's okay that you've made a mess of things again. I'm come, I've come back to draw you in again. And I want to be real to you. And I want to communicate my love to you. I had this experience even in the last week of, as a father. And one of our kids was, was feeling down and just was doubting even his mother and my love for him. And I just said, no, I love you. And I want nothing more in this world than to, for you to know that I love you. And that, friends, that's God's heart for you, is that he loves you. And he wants nothing more than for you to know just how deeply his affection is for you. How deeply he's for you and how he just wants to lavish love on you. And he wants his sheep to get together. He wants his kids to get together and celebrate his love for them to celebrate that family love he wants to be real to you 
So I want to ask you, how has God shown himself to be real to you? How has God communicated his love and his grace, his kindness to you? I have a mic here, and I just want to open that up and say, does someone have a, a story to share? Someone have a good word to share about Jesus and his love and how he's communicated that to you? You, can, you don't have to come up to the front if you don't want. I can bring the mic to you. It's going to catch my eye. I'm trusting that the Lord has been at work among us. I'm trusting that he has been showing himself real. You're among family. You're among other wayward sheep. the awkward part. It's the first one. It's hard. I just want to remind you all that and an and experience that we've had, God is faithful. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it and sometimes it just feels like life is difficult, but God is faithful. The song, and I don't know the whole song. I do a lot of la-la singing when I sing the song, but I do know the, ver the verse is, He gives and takes away, but still my heart will say, Blessed is the name of the Lord. Yeah. Um, I, I should be standing here and saying that this year was really fruitful, and it really was. God gave us three beautiful little grandchildren, mm -hmm. but he decided that he needed one, and he took it with him. a little healthy six-pound boy that was chosen by God. It's really painful to go through that. It's really painful to see your kids struggle. There's a lot of pain in the offering. But again, God has been really faithful. My prayer was, God, please, don't let my children get a bitter heart out of this. And I know they've said, you know, we can make it through this. We're going to get bitter, not better, or better, not bitter, I think it's called a little hashtag or whatever you do on the phone. <laughs> Theirs was better, not bitter. So God does take, but God gives, and God gives mm -hmm. strength, and God is faithful. Thanks, Sue. Uh, at my spare time in the evenings, I listen quite a bit to music, and there's one song that spoke to me. And the song is called, He Didn't Come Down. He stayed on the tree, and that was for you and for me. And I'm very thankful for that. Thanks, Abe. Good word. How's God been showing himself real to you? I have an apartment in uh, Pleasant Manor, and I'm on my own. My uh, wife died about three and a half years ago, and there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that the Good Shepherd guides and leads me when I'm willing and able to hear his voice. I would not get through a day without him, and I give him the praise and the glory. Mm. Thanks, Ian. Uh, most of you probably know our story. It's been quite public and transparent. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's been probably one of our most challenging, difficult, uh, painful years that we've probably ever experienced as parents. Um, and, um, and yeah, it, it's been, you know, difficult. But, but we really, as, as Sue mentioned, we have seen the same thing. We've experienced, we've witnessed, and we've seen God's love through through all of you, which we're so thankful for, um, through the community. And uh, we just saw that so many people, like God just worked 
we saw great things through our journey, through Darren's story. Um, it, it was really, obviously, challenging, difficult to, to, to walk that walk. And as uh, Kevin said, too, yeah, we probably felt most vulnerable this year because of where we were. Um, but, yeah, he does stretch you. He does grow you through all these experiences. And um, so we're thankful for that, even though it was a, a really challenging, difficult year. And kind of the closing, what I was trying to think of how, how to sum up the year was that it was, it was yeah, really, in many ways, it was, it was tough, and, and parts of it were awful, but we endured, and he was good and faithful, and I think the bottom line was great things were done in, in many people and, and through all of you, and I really just look forward to the next year as what greater things will be done, because um, I know his story lives on. It continues to, go, uh, to move on, and uh, we keep hearing stories from so many different people that were touched. And so, so we're just thankful for everything for all of you. And, yeah, we do look forward to the greater things and the love that he'll show up to us. Thanks. I just want to say that I am um, in saying goodbye to 2016 yesterday. It was a tough year. But this morning I woke up probably thinking about Darren as usual his love for music, but I woke up with the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Oh God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning to thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. This was one of his favorites. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see, all I have needed. Thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Happy New Year. Thanks, Dave and Terry. Thank you for giving glory to God through a really painful time where God's name could be maligned and yet choosing to give glory to God. It's beautiful. Really is. Um, as 2015 um, came to an end, and uh, we had our Christmas celebration, and it was the last one I would spend with my mom, and uh, I knew that I would be uh, responsible for taking care of her for a good part of it, and I was. Um, Afraid, I, I needed God to uh, carry me through and and pray that daily, and um, and He did walk with me and He was faithful, and uh, in beautiful ways He carried me, and He ministered to me with my with song. He was my shepherd, um, and on the day she died, I brought a German hymnal and um, I just sang to her. And uh, one of the songs I sang was Nimm Jesus meine Hand. And if you know that song, if you have a German background, that's Take Jesus My Hand and Walk With Me. As beautiful, beautiful words. And the last song that I sang with, uh, to her is also a German song. And it was one that she used to sing to my brother, um, who really liked it. And it was uh, Wenn der Heiland, uh, Wenn der Heiland aus König erscheint. And that means when, when he cometh or, or the the song is called When He Cometh in English. And when it's talking about is when Jesus comes back as the king, as uh, a judge, and how we'll place our crowns before him with the jewels. And um, as I was singing through that song, um, it just uh, ministered to me. In English, there's only three verses, but in German, there's one more verse. And the last line of that verse talks about how Er fiert uns himmelwärts. That means he he drives us heavenward, and that's when he took when she took her last breath. And it was infinitely the most beautiful experience I had, singing someone into heaven, and um, how precious it was to have that experience. Something that I was so afraid of, but um, something that he carried me through. Thanks, Sophia. This half of the room want to share anything? <laughs> well, um, we'll continue in the same vein of 
losing people. Uh, we're home, as many of you know, because of Deanna's uh, father. Um, at the end of November, we found he had a brain tumor, and within 30 days, he, he was gone. And um, we're thankful for a lot of things. We're thankful that we got to be back, and each of us had at least a, a lucid moment with him. We're thankful that we could come back. We're thankful for God's faithfulness, for the way that he took Irwin to be with him. We are hopeful there. As we talk about God's faithfulness, the thing for us, I, I think that would be the, the biggest one, is um, the many people, the community that has rallied around us and, and prayed for us and, and sent words of encouragement and so many different things. And so it's you and it's, it's others. And that is through this season with Deanna's father and what's been going on, the roller coaster that this month has been. But it's also in the ministry that we are part of in, in Africa so uh, we're also having some health issues that we're, we're navigating and not sure about. That has been a bit unsettling in the last uh, week or so, last two weeks. So we appreciate your continued prayers. We uh, think about you, Cornerstone, our dear friends, our family, uh, so much. Uh, because we are, be- we are because we are. And we are supported by you. And we think about you often. We pray for you. We long for you and for God's blessing on this place. The other way we, we experience God's faithfulness is in the ministry that we get to be a part of. And I, I just need to tell you that we are so excited about the ways we see God moving in Africa. That what we get to be a part of, it's such a privilege. This morning, Kevin was talking about the Good Shepherd. And it's our privilege to be working with shepherds of, of the people in Africa. And God also incredibly invites some of us to be shepherds of people. And we're seeing God work in some powerful ways in Burundi, and now it's starting to infect Congo and, and also some of the work in Malawi. And we're just so thankful that we get to be part of this ministry together, and God is moving, and he's raising up his church, and he's, he's strengthening the church, and he's using the church to transform lives. So thank you for your continued prayers and love for us. And, I can't say it deeply enough, the way that you support us financially, the way that you support us in prayer, the way that you communicate with us. Thank you for this beautiful thing that we get to do together. Maybe as I was talking this morning about the good shepherd who speaks to his sheep <clears throat> and loves to reveal his heart to his sheep, maybe you say, wow, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I, if I can relate to that. The Lord says to you this morning through the prophet Jeremiah, call to me and I will answer you. And show you great things you have not known. Some of us struggle to relate to God because of feelings of shame and guilt. And we think of the we think of the mess that we've made of our lives. We see the mistakes we've made. We see the the, the shameful things we've done. I want you to hear this morning Jesus say, I know my sheep. I know them. And I love them. And I speak to them. And I care for them. I am their shepherd. I know them. I know them to the bottom and back. One of the great joys of my life is in my marriage. And as we get to know each other deeper and better. Sherry comes to see and know and experience my weakness and my selfishness and my sinfulness. And what a, what a, what a deep thing it is 
for your spouse to know you to the to know you and, and more than anyone and to know the bad things about you and to experience the bad things about me and still to love me. God know, God knows you even deeper than that. He knows the parts of your heart that are weak and shameful more more than you do even more than anyone and he loves you and he loves you I know my sheep he says and I lay down my life for the sheep that word for there's different words that we Greek words we can translate for this one means instead of as a substitute I've died so my sheep don't have to. I've taken the guilt. I've taken the punishment. I've taken the shame. I've taken everything. And I've laid down my life instead of as a substitute for the sheep. See, friends, this is, this is not religion. This is grace. We relate to Jesus as our shepherd based on grace. Is all of this foreign to you? Would you tell God that this morning? And say, I I need to hear from you again. I need to be touched by you again. I need to, I'm wallowing in shame and I'm, Maybe I'm indifferent to you, or I've neglected you. I'm apathetic. I, I could care less about you most of the time, God. And, and I, want to, I want to know you deeply, and I want to know your love for me, and I want to experience the freedom of your favor and grace again. Would you tell him that this morning? We're going to sing a couple of songs in closing. And sing out to him from the depths of your heart, would you? Would you join with me in prayer? Father, would you... Would you speak to us? Whatever is holding us back, Lord, whatever is keeping us away from you, Lord, it's not on your end. You've laid down your life for the sheep. You've given yourself completely and wholly for the sheep, for us. You know us to the bottom and back, and you love us. So, Father, we want to praise you. We want to declare that you're a good father. You're the good shepherd. You are a good king. You're the right king. You're the true king. We want to put our hope and trust in you alone this morning. We, look, we, we put our loves and we invest our love and we invest our trust and we invest our identity in so many other things. But this morning, at the beginning of this year, Lord, we want to just come back to you and center in you again. So lead us in these moments in Jesus' name. Amen.